Well, good evening. I don't know how many of you all identify with Brother Mike's testimony, but uh, I'm sure some of you are tired. I'm sure some of you have already had a long week, but I appreciate you being here tonight. So I hope that this time is profitable for us. I trust that it will be. All right. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we will get started. Father, it is good to be in your house tonight. Lord, I am thankful for each person who is here this evening. I'm thankful for their willingness to make the effort. God, I pray that this time would not be wasted. I pray, Lord, that as we make the effort to look into your word, I pray that you would speak to us in such a way that uh, we would know what needs to be dealt with, what needs to be addressed, and that we'd be willing to do so, uh, whatever it may be. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to begin tonight by saying this, that I don't want to assume that tonight's message is for everyone. Okay, I don't want to assume that it is for everyone, but I will make this assumption that I bet it's for most of us. All right, so you may be able to skate out of here and say, whew, I don't struggle with that one at all. And if you don't, Lord bless you, but the rest of us are going to need a little bit of work on this. And uh, as I've said in the last few weeks, this is not anything new that we're looking at tonight. I have preached this passage, I know, on several occasions but as I tried to move on and get away from it, it was impossible. It was like the Lord said, no, this needs to be dealt with. And so as I was putting my thoughts together, or the thoughts together, I thought, okay, that, that makes sense. I know I could use this. And then I know of at least three occasions just today where I was tested in relation to what I'm preaching tonight. Failed once. Did, yeah, okay, the other two times. So I'm just saying, I know I need the reminder, and if you're anything like me, you need the reminder. So that in mind, I want to begin with this thought. I want to begin tonight by talking about the education system. And whenever I say that, please know I'm not going to be critical. I'm not going to have anything negative to say about our education system tonight. I'm just going to talk to us tonight about a statement of fact in relation to the education system. And that would be this, that whenever you are in a class your final grade is going to be dependent upon several different factors for that class. To explain what I'm talking about, in case you may be wondering, I would say it like this, that whenever you come to the end of that semester or the end of that school year, your grade will be determined by how you did on the test, how you did on the daily work, how you did in classroom assignments, maybe a paper that had to be written. Uh, in some situations, in some instances, your attendance can have an impact on your overall grade. And so sometimes a student may hear something like this, your tests are going to make up 50% of your overall grade. So you know that the bulk of your grade is going to come from how well you perform on that test or those tests throughout the school year. They may say something like this, the daily work will be 10%, the quizzes will be another 10%. However the teacher has it broken down, you understand these carry more weight, these items, whatever they are, they carry more weight than the other ones. And so it makes sense, does it not, that you would give the bulk of your attention to the weightier items? Right. I mean, would that make sense if you cared about your grades? It seems to me that it would make sense because if you don't do well on the big ones, you're not going to do well in the class at all. 
And yet at the same time, this would make sense that you don't want to be so focused on the big areas or the big items and neglect the small ones because if you neglect the smaller items, while it may not cause you to flunk the class, it can certainly bring down your grade if you don't do well in those areas. You following this? I know some of you are saying, I don't care about this. I get it. But there is a principle in this to be considered, okay? You, you need to give attention to all of it because all of it eventually affects the overall outcome. Now, again, you're saying, I don't care. I'm not in school. I'm not going back to school. I'm not worried about any of it. I get it, but I want us to take that thought and I want us to compare that to the spiritual lives that you and I are striving to live, okay? I want us to think about this, that in the spiritual lives that we are living, there are certain items, for lack of better words, they are the big items and, and they carry a whole lot of weight with them. Do you agree with this? Okay, again, I think some of you are like, I'm really tired, like Brother Mike said, and, and I'm just kind of zoned out right now. Okay, j just stay with me, okay? I, I think you'll see the importance of this and, and why I'm saying this. I'll use myself as an illustration, all right? A, a big item and a big issue for me would be this. Some kind of a moral failure, Okay, I need to really guard against a moral failure because a moral failure on my part would have massive implications associated with it. All right, if I was guilty of some kind of a moral failure, depending on the nature of it, but almost any of them, I think here's what you would do if you became aware of that moral failure. You would say something to this effect, Brother Kyle, you need to step down from the ministry. You need to step down from the pulpit. Whatever those issues are, you need to get that squared away. And again, depending on that failure, it could eliminate me from the ministry altogether for the rest of my life. So I would say that that's kind of like a test or one of those research papers. That carries a whole lot of weight and a whole lot of significance to it. I would say something to this effect or like this, that, that if I were caught embezzling from the church, that's kind of a big ticket item. You know, if you found out that I was skimming off the top, which it wouldn't be real hard to find out with our finances, but I'm just saying, if I were found to be skimming off the top of the church's finances, I think most of you would have a problem with that and you'd say, uh, Brother Kyle, that's not right. That's wrong, in fact. And, and as a result of your actions, you need to step down and you need to step aside. You're no longer welcome here. Okay. So see, those are, those are big items. Really big issues that carry a lot of weight with it. So tonight, suppose I stood before you and said, I, I have a sin to confess. And you became very curious as to what I was about to confess to. And I said to you this evening, in a moment of rebellion and in a moment of pride, I sped. And I was clocked doing 52 and a 40. And I got a ticket.
I think most of you, your response would be, oh, that was dumb. Right? Whatever your ticket is, you deserve it. Pay it, and maybe you'll have learned from your rebellious ways, right? But if I stood before you tonight and I said, I I got a ticket, I don't think you would call for my resignation this evening. If I stood before you tonight and said something like this, I've got to confess a sin. Last week, I, 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 I gossiped. And I repeated something I probably shouldn't have repeated. You might be disappointed that I had to admit such a thing. But you probably wouldn't call once again for my resignation. Is that fair to say? You might say something like this. Well, Brother Kyle, you know better than that. You shouldn't do that. So stop. And and you'd be right in, in saying that to me. Now, what's my point? My point is this. There are sins out there, and we understand the theology and the doctrine of sin is sin in the eyes of God. That is true. And we all understand the common sense aspect of this, that some sins carry a greater condemnation with them by way of consequence. So here is what sometimes happens, I think, in the Christian life, kind of like a student in the education system. If we're not careful, we give so much attention to the big items that we sometimes take lightly the smaller items. And we kind of act like those are insignificant, and we kind of act like those are unimportant, and we, and we sometimes act like, well, if we're guilty of those things, then, then what's the big deal? And I want us to think about this, that the little things may not fail us in our spiritual lives, but they certainly have impact in our spiritual lives. So I may not ever be guilty of the moral failure. I may not ever be guilty of the embezzlement. But if I just kind of act like the smaller items are not important, it may not destroy me, but it certainly hurts me. And so what do I have to do? I have to be willing to give as much attention to the smaller items as I would the bigger items or I'm the one and my testimony is the one who is hurt. So with all that in mind, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I think all of us know what this chapter is about. It is Paul dealing with the subject of charity and the subject of love, correct? All right, as, as we get into this chapter as you study this as you read through this here is what we know that that this is probably one of the most extensive most comprehensive definitions of what biblical love looks like in a practical manner so we've got all these things that paul identifies as manifestations of biblical love And here's what we know, and I'm not going to deal with this because we have dealt with it recently. I just want to remind us of this and then move on. That love is always manifested in our actions. 
And love is always a choice on our part. You and I always choose as to whether or not we will love like we've been called to love as Christians. And as a result of that, it will be manifested in our actions. So if I choose to love, there are certain things that I will do. And if I choose for some reason to not love, there will be certain things that I will not do. So all that in mind, let's look at this area of love that that Paul addresses and he opens up with in verse number four. We're just going to look at a little portion of this tonight. And again, as I've already said, it's challenged me and I think it can challenge you. So in verse number four, the very first thing that Paul said was this, charity suffereth long. Charity suffereth long. What does this mean when Paul says that charity or love manifests itself by suffering long? Well, the words suffereth long means this, to be long-suffering. You probably could have figured that one out. But it also means this, to be patient in bearing the offenses or the injuries of others, or to be slow to anger. We need to hear this. The very first thing that Paul says will be a manifestation of biblical love something that we will choose as to whether or not we will do this, he said, true charity suffereth long. It is long-suffering. It is patient in bearing the offenses or the injuries of others. And charity is slow to anger. You know what Paul said? He said, true love is manifested in a patient personality or a patient disposition. Now, I want us to think about that for a few moments tonight. That if I am going to love properly, and if you are going to love properly, then you know what has to be said of us? That we manifest that with patience. Now, I I, I want us to not just say, oh, yeah, 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 sure, and and then move on and, and not really think about it. To whom did Paul say we are to be patient with? He did not say who we are called to be patient with. So you know what that kind of leads an honest person to admit? It means this that we are called to be patient with all people because we are Christians and that's an important part of the Christian life. See, as a child of God, here's what I've got to remember. I am called to be patient with Susie. As a child of God, I am called to be patient with my children. As a child of God, I am called to be patient with my parents. As a child of God, I am called to be patient with church family. 
As a child of God, I am called to be patient with friends. As a child of God, I am called to be patient with complete strangers. I am called to be a patient individual. And that is, whether we realize it or not, that is what you are called to be. You, as a child of God, it is expected of you that if you are going to truly manifest the love of God in your life, you are going to be patient with everyone that comes into your life. Now again, lest we just skate right through this, let's think about it. That's hard. Because there are people out there who will challenge our patience at any given time, and they may not even realize they're challenging our patience because more times than not, it has something to do with the frame of mind we've allowed ourselves to get into. And if we're not careful, here's what happens. We'll let our frame of mind dictate how we respond to these people in different moments. And we may not even consider how impatient we're being in that moment. Somebody says, please, Brother Kyle, illustrate. All right, here we go. Just this week, I, I received a, a phone call from someone, and, and I'll just be honest with you, I didn't like the nature of the phone call from the moment it started. And as a result of my distaste for the nature of the phone call and how it progressed for the next couple of moments, you know what I was? I was anything but patient. Get to the point. What are we talking about? Let's go. Come on. I've got other things to do. I was offended by the nature of the call. And you know what I was not? I was not slow to anger. Now, when that person made the phone call, I can assure you that they did not say, I'm going to call the church and see if I can get under Brother Kyle's skin. I'm going to call the church and see if I can upset him and rile him up. I know that person was, was not thinking that. I mean, how weird would a person have to be to try such a thing? But because of the mental position that I let myself be in, rather than choosing to be patient, I chose to be impatient, which means this, I chose not to manifest biblical love in that moment. I'm just saying to you that that's disappointing whenever I have to stop and think about my own failure in that. But see, it's like this, and, and poor Susie didn't know what I was preaching about tonight, but, but it was like Satan got into her just a little bit. Y'all can smile. She's okay. We were getting into the car tonight, headed to church, and, and she opened her door rather quickly. And whenever she did, you know what she did? 
she hit my door on the shelves in the garage. Now, I know that as we were walking out to the car, Susie was not saying to herself, I'm going to see if I can frustrate Kyle and I'm going to sling the door into the shelves of the garage. But that's what she did. And you know what immediately my spirit did? My spirit rose up within me and I was ready to express some displeasure with what she had done. Now, now, do you understand what I'm saying? I think that you should anyways. Sometimes that just happens, and it's in those moments we've got to make a quick choice. How am I going to respond? So many times, if we're not careful, we don't even think about it. It happens that fast immediately what's been said, what's been done, gets under our skin, and we're agitated, and we're irritated, and we're anything other than slow to anger. Can I just ask you tonight to just be honest for a moment? If you had to look back over just the last three days, just from the time we dismissed on Sunday to the point that we're at tonight, would any of you have to say this, that in the last three days, you've gotten frustrated and irritated inside your own home just a little bit quicker than maybe you should have? Okay, y'all are perfect little saints. I'm just saying, for me at least, boy, it's been a struggle. And, and again, it comes from the, the most obscure, random of places. I, I don't know why it was. I, I guess just because Satan wanted to see how I would do, or maybe the Lord was letting me see how I would do. But tonight on the way to church, we had to take kind of a different route. And again, I know what I'm preaching, so I know I'm more mindful of it and more sensitive to it. But I'm driving down Hobart Street, and somebody just pulls out of a business. And I mean, they don't even slow down. They just come right into my lane, and then they're doing like 20 miles an hour. You know what my spirit immediately wanted to do? My spirit wanted to bring to their attention that their latest vehicular move was not appropriate from my perspective. We eventually came to a stoplight. I looked over at her. She was in her own little world. She had no idea what she had done, and she wasn't worried about it. I'm just saying everything within me wanted to be quick to anger. I did not want to be long-suffering. I did not want to be patient. I wanted to lash out at this individual, whoever she was, for what she had done to me. I'm just asking us again tonight, if we had to be honest, how many of us would have to admit that we can be pretty short-fused we can be pretty quick-tempered. And while that may not mean that it results in flying off the handle and going nuts and having a fit, how many of us would have to admit tonight we can sure get upset and flustered pretty quickly and pretty easily? See, here's the problem. We look at that so many times like it's not even a big deal. 
well, you know, it was just in the moment. It was just in that situation. It was just, it was just that, that little scenario where I just had my quick little blow up or I had my quick little you know, explosion of my emotions. And, 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 and man, I, I just, it, it happened, but it was no big deal. Okay, well, let's think about this. Is it right or is it wrong for us to be impatient? That was a question. It's wrong, right? So that was a sin, wasn't it? Okay, so, so let's follow this. If it was a sin, even though it may not have been one of those big, terrible, monstrous sins with these horrible, horrible consequences, what did it do? It chipped away at our testimony. It really did. So if in the last three days, or if in the last week, or if in the last two weeks, you've been easily agitated in the home for whatever reason, you have chipped away at your testimony. If in the last three days, seven days, ten days, whatever the time frame may be, that, that you've allowed yourself to be agitated at work and upset, and you've just kind of been edgy, you have... You have chipped away at your testimony because people watch and and people pay attention to these types of things. If you got mad at the person who pulled out in front of you and you laid on the horn and gave them a look when you drove by, it took away just a little bit from the testimony. See, if I am going to love like I'm supposed to, the first thing out of the gate that Paul mentioned is we've got to be patient. And again, I just, I don't know very many people who don't struggle with that. And yet if we're not mindful of it, we don't even notice when we're not patient. And so if you look at that in verse number four, he said, Charity suffereth long, but he went on to say this, and it's kind of lumped together in this portion of Scripture. He said that charity suffereth long and is kind. Now those two, if we're honest, they go together hand in hand, do they not? Because what does it mean to be kind? The, the, the word kind means this, to be benevolent or to be helpful. The idea would be that that kindness would manifest itself in, in some kind of a pleasantness about the person. So, so follow this. Whenever I get impatient, whenever you get impatient, you know what is usually the first thing that is sacrificed in our impatience? It's our kindness toward the ones or the one that we're now upset with. Whenever we're impatient with our spouse, that's not usually when we're the kindest to them. Okay, three of us are of of the same mind here. Whenever Susie has flustered me, when I've let Susie get under my skin... That's not when I'm the kindest. Whenever I've let the kids irritate me and and I'm frustrated with how they're behaving with one another and it's me more than it is them, that's whenever I struggle with my kindness like I ought to be toward them. 
Whenever you go to work and you let somebody flip your switch first thing, that's when you struggle with your kindness toward them. See, if I'm going to love like I'm called to love as a Christian, if I'm going to, to love in the manner in which I'm supposed to, I have to be patient and I have to be kind. That is not an easy task for many of us. And I know I've already said this. I know I may sound like a broken record, but I'm going to say it again. Whenever we fail to be kind, whenever we get a little bit rude, whenever we get a little bit hateful, whenever we get a little bit snippy, whenever we decide to shut down and go into quiet mode, whenever we're just that quiet little rebel, It chips away at the testimony. It just does. See, here's how I can prove it. How many of us have ever known someone that we would describe them as a very impatient person? We've all known people like that, right? Boy, they're a pretty impatient person. Boy, it doesn't take much to, to flip their switch, to, to kind of ignite them. Yeah, boy, they're, they're pretty easily set off. We've all known people like that. So how many of us at the same time say things like this? You know, that is one impatient person who really loves the Lord. Those thoughts are never expressed in the same sentence, Right? Man, I'm telling you what, that person is so quick to anger, they will get mad, they will blow up, they will say some of the rudest, most hateful things. Man, it can happen like that where, where they're crossed, and the moment they're crossed, they'll just they'll unload on you, but man, do they love God. That's not how the testimony ever goes. When a person is impatient they'll generally always become unkind. And though it may not have the same impact on a person's testimony as moral failure or embezzlement or something big like that, it hurts the person. To whoever has to witness it and watch it and put up with it, it hurts that person's opinion of the one who's impatient. So tonight, what I've got to do and what you ought to do, if you care about this at all, what we've got to do is ask ourselves in honesty with the help of the Holy Spirit, Lord, how often do I have an impatient spirit about myself? Lord, how, how, how often am I quick to anger when things don't go my way? It's sometimes difficult to see ourselves in that light, isn't it? Because every one of us want to assume, well, I'm not that impatient. 
That's not that much of a problem for me. I mean, no, I, I contain it most of the time. I think it'd be interesting, probably painful, but I think it'd be interesting if we could get other people's opinion of us sometimes. How patient of a person do you say I am? Oh, really? Oh, that hurts. See, I'm no different than you. I've got stories like this, and you've got stories like this. But, man, I know people in their 70s. Not very patient. Pretty hateful when they're impatient. And they don't see it. And it's impacted their testimony. I would say this, I don't want to be that person when I'm in my 70s. Amen. Amen. But more than that, I don't want to be that person while I'm in my 40s. Right. I don't want to be that person when I'm in my 50s or in my 60s. I don't want to be that person. So what do I have to do? I have to realize that though this may seem small, it is still significant to the overall picture. It really is. And so before I blow up and before I get mad, before I unload on somebody, before I say that hateful remark, before I, before I get rude and snippy, before I, before I shut down and go into quiet mode and, and show just how unkind I can be, I really need to ask myself, is this really worth the impact it'll have on my testimony? Because if I really care about what God thinks and what others think about my testimony, then I will be concerned about my level of patience with others. I think every one of us have at least one area of life where we struggle with patience, maybe more than another area. What may rile you up may not rile me up and vice versa. I get it. But I think most of us, if we'd take just a moment to examine ourselves, I think most of us would see, you know, I struggle with that more than I realize. Because it's almost like a flash. It's just impatient. I blow up and then I move on, not realizing the damage it's done. Is there an area in your life where you struggle with being impatient? If so, it needs to be addressed. Because someone is watching, someone is observing, and every time we have that moment, we've chipped away at it just a little bit more. It's something that deserves our attention. Let's all stand tonight and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, I come to you this evening. Lord, I think the truth is simple. I think it's pretty clear that we are supposed to be people who are patient and people who are kind. And it can be a struggle for so many of us. God, I pray that you'd help us to be mindful of it, that we would care about it like we should, and that we'd not be willing to just dismiss it 
because it's no big deal to us. God, I pray that you bless the invitation tonight. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.